Hey, hey, what's up all you rental property people? This is Dustin Heiner with the Master of Passive Income Podcast. And today I got a treat for you. I have an investor who has been investing for a very long time in rental properties. And his name is Sam Montgomery today. And we're gonna be talking all about how he went from working a job at UPS to quitting his job to um, having a, starting a business, running and selling birds, as well as investing in real estate rental properties. And now he has so many properties that he is actually moving his family from California to Idaho. They've been dreaming and, and, and hoping to move for a very long time. Now he's quitting everything, moving all over to Idaho, and they are super, super excited. So hopefully you're gonna learn a ton from Sam because he has a lot of experience investing in cheaper rental properties as well as how to cut expenses, how to live a life that is going to be able to quit your job because it's not just about increasing income, it's also about getting rid of your expenses and lowering your expenses and Sam has done that. Everything from doing section eight to fixing up the properties right to so many different things. All right guys, so let's jump into the session, session number 13 where we talk all about cutting your expenses, increasing your income so that you can quit your job. All right, guys, let's start the show. Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about investing in real estate rental properties with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here is your host, Dustin Heiner. All right, everybody. So I'm here with Sam Montgomery. He's a, a good investor and a good friend of mine. So uh, Sam, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Dusty. I appreciate it. So Sam, tell me a little bit about yourself, about your history. You know, how, how do you, you had a job before you started investing and what you're doing now. Tell us a little about yourself. Well, I am uh, married to the same wonderful lady for the last five years. I've got two kids. Um, and I, I've been investing now for, gosh, maybe 12 years. Um, and Dusty and I, we, we've been friends, gosh, how long, Dusty? 10? Probably 10 years. 10 years, yeah. yeah. Um, I bought two properties before I met Dusty, and I made a lot of mistakes. They were in Houston, Texas, and I definitely recommend not buying any properties in Houston, Texas. <laughs> uh, unless you really know what you're doing, which I did not know what I was doing. Um, let's see. Uh, right now, I'm self-employed. I've been self-employed probably for the last... Gosh, 20 years. Uh, I have the world's strangest job. I buy and sell parakeets. So I'm on the road quite a bit. I, uh, I go to LA once a week, uh, sell birds and come back. So um, I, I've got it pretty easy. I've got a sweet gig. And, and the reason I started doing uh, rental properties was to just kind of uh, stabilize the income from the business. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so you used to work at UPS. Oh, I was going to say, so right now we're recording outside cause it's such a beautiful day. So if you hear birds chirping or whatever, it's because we're in California. It's like 75 degrees outside right now. It's, it's just beautiful. But anyway, so you used to work at UPS and mm -hmm. then I remember you telling me the story of you just saying, I'm done. I just can't work here anymore. So tell us a little bit <laughs> about that. Well, uh, I had worked at UPS for eight years. So we unload trucks, we load trucks, we sort packages and I absolutely loved it. I love the guys I worked with. Um, I love the fact that it was hard work and it kind of weeded out your, uh, uh, your employees that wouldn't be any good. <clears throat> and then I, then I went full time and they started asking, uh, asking me to work, uh, 14 hours a, a day. And I just thought, dude, you're crazy. There's no way, you know, life's too short. Uh, and at the same time I was also, uh, running my bird business on the side and I was probably making as much there as I was on my job. So it was pretty easy for me to, to quit. 
So after being full-time for probably eight months, I just, I was at 7-Eleven one day and I, I just thought, dude, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, but uh, I'm not going to be inside the truck. So I, uh, I quit then. So yeah, that's what happened. And you just yeah. up and quit, right? It was like... Yeah, I didn't give a two weeks notice or anything. <laughs> yeah. I, I talked to my manager in the truck uh, that evening and uh, we talked for a good hour and he knew I was going to quit. He's all, Sam, I can see it in your eyes. You're going to quit. <laughs> and so then I, I called in sick for a couple of days. Then I just wrote up a, a letter of resignation and I, I, I didn't, I did everything wrong. I should have went in. I should have given him a two weeks notice, but I, I taped that letter of resignation onto my manager's computer at work and I left. <laughs> and then that turned into a big thing that I had uh, filled out a, um, oh, like when you're not home. Yeah. The little slip of paper that, that the UPS driver will put on your door. Oh, yeah. That, it was, in other words, my whole big letter through the rumor mill had turned into that little. Oh, Sam yes. Sam did what? He just put a pack, <laughs> uh, a, a sticker on your computer. <laughs> saying that I quit. Little, yeah, saying I quit one of the package where, you know, uh, we're going to deliver tomorrow slips, you know. So <laughs> they were not too happy with me. So that's. But, when I quit my job, so so I had a ton of vacation time to get rid of. Uh-huh. And so in December, I knew I was going to quit my job, but I had to spend my vacation time. So I took like three weeks off. Just I, so I got to spend it. So I took three weeks off in anticipation of going back and working for two weeks, get an extra paycheck in there, give my two weeks notice and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And they, I, my boss already knew like maybe a, a month prior that I was planning on quitting. So I already, he already knew the scenario. And so he knew that I was planning on coming back for two weeks and maybe working two weeks. I get back. I work the first day after yeah. being off for three weeks, knowing I'm done. I, I I sit in my desk for literally two minutes. Uh-huh. I'm like, what am I doing here? Yeah. This is so horrible. Like uh, the job was great. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I, yeah. I really enjoy the job. The people I work with were nice. But I'm like, I'd, I have so many other things I could be doing right now with my yeah. life. That why yeah. am I working here? So I go to my boss. Hey, boss, I'm done. Right, <laughs> I'll, right. I'll finish out today. Yeah. But you know, because of just time clock and everything like that. But uh-huh. I'm done. And he's yeah. all, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's. Uh, I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I'll hire somebody. At, at the end of the day, I'm making $1,200 a week here, which is a lot. It's a lot now. Yeah. And I'm like, I'll give somebody $1,200 a week as long as I don't have to come back. <laughs> I'm just sick of it, man. It was just. So tell us about that start investing in Houston and uh-huh. maybe a little bit about why it went wrong or what you could have done better. But right. then um, we can transition to what you're doing now with okay. other areas. Well, you know, I was running my own business uh, and, you know, it, I don't know if it, it's not just my business. I think it's just business in general. It's kind of feast or famine. So the whole reason I wanted to buy rental properties, uh, whether it be in Houston or somewhere else, was just to stabilize my uh, my monthly income to where it wasn't so much of a hustle or I have to do this to, to With selling keep, the birds, like you're saying. Right, yeah. right, to, to keep a roof over our heads. So uh, I don't know why I picked Houston. I think just logically I was like, okay, it feels kind of like L.A. Maybe the property values would go up. They're cheaper because it's not California. Um, so we got in a plane. Well, I take that back. No, the first target we had was I got a hold of a guy in San Diego. And his whole angle was renting out uh, houses to college kids. So they would buy a house near uh, San, the, the University of San Diego, whatever that's called. And uh, they'd put 10 college kids in there. And, you know, the house is 600000 I think. And uh, at the end of the day, after you paid your mortgage and all that good stuff, you could pocket $1,000 a month. So I almost did that, but I got scared at that huge note. You know, mm. I forget what the oh, note yeah. was, two yeah. or $3,000 a month. What happens if these kids don't pay? So we backed out of that, and I told Lisa, and uh, she's, okay, well, when we go to Houston, I go, we're going next week. <laughs> 
So not knowing anything, uh, you know, the only thing I really knew is that, you know, $100,000, a mortgage on $100,000, if you do the math, is close to about 500 a month. Yeah. Dumb, dumb, dumb. So, uh, <laughs> and just kind of going off a ballpark figure on property taxes. Ah, oh, you know, your insurance is probably 100 a month and your property taxes is 100 a month. So anyways, we drove around Houston, great real estate agent. I, the first guy I called, great guy. He, I still call him to this day, you know, eight to 10 years later. And he calls me the bird man. I love the guy. <laughs> So uh, we drove around Houston, and I found um, two homes that were in a part of Houston where you could basically build a mobile home park if you wanted to. And that's what would turn me on because I thought, well, gee, you know, if I could buy these two properties, and they were both on an acre, I could have two acres, and I could slap five or six mobile homes back there, you know, 10000 a mobile home, yeah. you know, and, and be uh, really uh, have a lot of uh, passive income for not a lot of money. So that's what we did. And they wanted uh, 200000 for uh, both homes because both homes sh- shared a well. So they wanted to sell them yeah. together. And I offered them 100000 for both houses. I didn't think in my wildest dreams they were going to take it. But they did. And the main reason they took it was... 100000 total? For both homes. For both homes. So I got them both you know, yeah. for 50000 each. And uh, somebody, the people who had lived there, you know, it was uh, a mother and father. And they had all these siblings. And the mother and father, I guess, had died... And now the kids are trying to sell it. So there was 10 kids and uh, they didn't care. They just wanted to get out yeah. of the deal. So we bought those and I wasn't able to look into one of the properties, which should have been a red flag. Mm. Oh, oh yeah. So I, I go, you know, I'm just so gung ho. I was like, oh, you know what? Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's going to cost me $700 a month. And this one house brings in $700 a month. There's no way I can lose. So we bought them. We went back there, and little did I know that the walls or the flooring was falling down in the one house I wasn't oh, able to look yeah. at. The foundation was, the, yeah. yeah. But I had brought my own construction guys because you know with the birds, I had a guy who was driving for me, and he was just a jack of all trades. And so I brought him and Pat. They drank beer and worked on that house, <laughs> gosh, for two or three weeks, and I think we fixed it up for a couple thousand dollars. So it could have been a lot worse. Um, and then I rented them out. And uh, I left. And I didn't have a good property manager. I had one lady that every time we turned around, she wanted to get a contractor in there that was licensed, which I'm not against. But, I mean, sometimes a handyman's the yeah, way. Yeah, it's totally fine. Yeah. 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 Like, when a, like if a toilet is leaking, you don't need to call a plumber. No. Get a handyman over there. Yeah. Like, there's no point in spending $200. Yeah. yeah. You know, 100 bucks. Yeah. We're, we're not paying prevailing bucks. wage here. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. So, uh Anyways, that's, that was kind of her angle. And every time I turned around, she just was hitting me with her money. And there was a there was a plumbing problem. And I think she wanted 3000 to fix it. And I, so I got into a plane. Yeah. And I said, no. I went back there and for $500, I fixed the problem. <laughs> uh, and in the process of doing that, uh, I met the guy who uh, I eventually sold it to. But uh, to make a long story short, the people, they weren't, they weren't paying their rent on time. And I had a lot of vacancies. And uh, I think my... That's the thing is that the properties there in Houston, there's a school tax involved, which I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. And there was flood insurance, which I didn't calculate right. So my investment my investment of 100000 which I thought would be $700 a month, my note on the property was 1350 at the end of the day. Wow. So it's twice as much. Twice, Plus, yeah. Yeah, and people were paying, and, and I, I, was, I was drowning. And so I met um, the gentleman who was renting the house with the foundation that had fallen through. Uh, he owned his own... Um, Lawn service company, solid guy, and uh, sold it to him. So that that was a blessing to do that. So I got out of the business real quick, and I kind of throw my hands up, and I was like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to pump my brakes and, and kind of lick my wounds a little bit. And then a year later, I met Dusty. And that that was 
I remember the first time we met was at some, you know, kids' first birth, yes. first birthday party. Yes. And um, we were talking about business in general because mm-hmm. I love business. I love talking about business. And we just started, I, oh, you have you have your own business selling birds. Oh, that's pretty cool. Tell me about it. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. asked me about the real estate, what I've been doing. And this was like 10 years ago. Yeah. And I, I think I had maybe six, eight, eight properties, yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, you know, cash flows running in. And um, I got yeah, at least $250, $300 a month for, for a property. And you're getting the numbers. You're like, Wow, you know, you you got this down. Like, yeah. How do I do it? Yes. I remember you. Yes. You were so excited. I was like, Wow, who is this guy? This yeah. is. You were the first person I ever told uh-huh. about um, the investing in real estate. Yeah. That it was like, I want to do it too. Okay. Like, I, because I, you already had the taste of it. Yeah. And yeah. you're, but you know, obviously it was right, a little right. sour. Yeah. But um, you saw the success that I was having. You're right. like, Hey, yeah. If Dusty could do it, I could do it. No, <laughs> like, it was that. I, I never, you know, uh, I. Who in their right mind looks on Zillow for properties that are only worth twenty thousand to fifty thousand? Yeah. I mean, you know, we're conditioned in California that you've got to get a three hundred thousand dollar house and have sure. a mortgage for thirty years. Yeah, you know, uh, so that didn't even occur to me. And I, I asked you, go, well, how much are you paying for these houses? And the the prices were so low. I go, I, that was the first thing out of my mouth. I was all, well, are they trailers? Are they mobile <laughs> homes? What are they? And you're all, no, they're legit homes. Yeah, you know. So yeah, yeah. So that's that's awesome. So what was it like buying that first property? Because usually. Most people, most of my students um, and the people listen to me, buying the first property is the hardest. Mm-hmm. And you and I know, I mean, it, it is hard because it's it's a it's a starting a new business and going somewhere you you don't know and you're hoping not to lose money. Right. And what I believe is, if you know how to do it, if you you're taught right, it's almost impossible to lose money if you do it right. Right. There are many ways to do it wrong. Mm-hmm. Really, only one way to do it right. But um, tell us about you buying that first property and then jumping back in after that horrible experience, mm-hmm. jumping back in and buying it the, right. the next one. Tell us about that, like the thinking and how you did it. Well, I mean, with the bird business in Texas and the whole thing, the numbers were so much bigger than buying my first property in the Rust Belt. So for me, it, it, I, I was so excited to do it. I thought, gee, you know, I had this this big blunder. This has to work. And if it doesn't work, so what? I'm going to have an extra payment of $50 or $100 a month? I mean, I can stomach that where I was looking at $13.50 on the other end with the uh, Texas property. So, um, you know, it was great. I bought it. And then... Uh, but did pro- you have fears going into no. it again? Well, because, you know, when you buy lower price homes, right. you don't have that huge mortgage. So, yeah. you know, obviously, if you're paying something uh, like $300,000, you have a huge mortgage. Yeah. you got to concern that. Right. Um, but finding cheaper homes mm-hmm. in another state, yeah. how was that to you? I loved it. <laughs> I, I wasn't, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't, uh, I wasn't jumping up and down in my mind at the uh, thought of losing, you know, $20,000 or whatever. But nothing ventured, nothing gained. I mean, I was excited to do it. I mean, it was such a small outlay of cash compared to a normal business and you can you can get out of it. I mean, you can turn around and resell it. If you resold it for half of what you paid for it, I mean, shoot, that's a semester in college. You know, yeah. I was excited to do it. And then the property manager I had was a great guy. He he did something that my other property manager in Texas never did. He, he talked to me. He returned my phone calls and oh, he yeah. tried to look out for my best interest, which was to do things cheap. Uh, so and, and just the fact that I had bought the two properties in Texas plus the mobile home in the back. There was three properties. I was overwhelmed. And just the, the thought of um, uh, having one and only needing maybe two or $3,000 to fix it up and put it on Craigslist was very, very palatable to me. So, That's yeah. A, yeah. Um, so in finding a, a good property manager, mm-hmm. what does that tell you now about possibly every um, managing the property yourself 
mm-hmm. in any any regard, or do you just love having property managers, or is it take and leave it? Like, just depends on the scenario. I think if you're going to invest out of state, you absolutely have to have a property manager because you're not going to be there uh, to do it yourself. I don't know how you could do it without a good property manager. So that's key. You know, if if you're going to do this, find a good property manager. Even if you have to physically go back there and interview ten different people, just don't give up. Um, and just because they're personable on the phone or they're not personable on the phone, that's not the main thing. The main thing is that they re- they do what they say they're going to do in a timely manner. They return your phone calls. Yes, and, absolutely. And, you know, you're doing one house. So if he decides not to pay you rent one month because he's a crook, well, you know, it's one house. Uh, if you can get referrals from friends, that's, that's, that's really saved me a lot of time, uh, finding property managers. But, you know, if I had to start out from scratch, uh, I would just – pony up and go back there and spend a week and check everything out. Yeah. You know, and meet so, people. So how many properties do you have now? Nine. You have nine properties. Not including Texas. I do not include Texas. Okay. So you have the nine <laughs> properties right now that's yes. bringing passive income. Correct. And we'll jump really quickly to what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, we are moving your family from California to Idaho. Correct. So we'll get back to the real estate, but okay. I want to, so right now with the, the uh, nine properties that you mm-hmm. have, you have passive income coming in. Correct. So you're still doing your bird business since Correct. you're on uh, twice a month. Correct. And, but you're also upping your family out mm-hmm. of California, moving to Idaho. Yes. How is it that, um, what do you feel that uh, leaving California and mm-hmm. going to a whole nother state mm-hmm. and taking your entire family and not needing to find a job? Like, is that a relief? Yeah. You know, uh, I'm so entrepreneurial and in, in spirit that I don't think I could do anything else. I listened to Gary V. What's it? How do you pronounce his last name? Bannercheck? Uh, Bannercheck, yeah. Okay. And he feels the same way. He just couldn't do anything else. No. I don't care if I lose everything. Yep. I'm going to be like, you know what? Get the truck. Back it up. Get the government cheese. <laughs> we are staying underneath the bridge. And I am not getting a job. Not going to get a job. Absolutely. No, no. You know, I'd, yeah, I have to find some sort of hustle. But yeah, I mean, how do I feel moving the family? I think I'm a little nervous about the bird business, uh, not being there every week because I'm kind of Johnny on the spot. But, you know, it's it's time to work smarter, not harder. Yeah. And I think that the passive uh, income from uh, Ohio is really giving me a level of comfort that if things were to go sideways, you know, we wouldn't need to move or get on food stamps. So, so tell me about your favorite things about real estate. And having rental properties, have you mm-hmm. thought about um, all, all the benefits, everything from, obviously, we know passive income is one. Mm-hmm. That's huge. That's right. a great big one. But you also have like things like equity um, in the properties that you can utilize for other other properties, you know, recycling right. that money over again, which you've talked about in the past. Yeah. Um, tax benefits. But do you have like any thoughts of why you like rental properties in real estate? Uh, I think just the simplicity of it. You know, if, if you take a, a normal business like, you know, uh, running a taco truck. It's so intricate. There's so many things you have to worry about, whether it's government inspectors and all that stuff. Where with real estate, the only thing you need to worry about are repairs and uh, evictions. And if you get good tenants, you can take evictions off the table. Uh, and, and it seems like as the years have gone on that we've weeded out the bad tenants and my phone rings less. Um, it's just it's getting better. And the fact that you get a monthly check versus say a 401k that's growing that you can see but you don't really get to feel it is awesome i love that um the, the one downside i would say with the, the cheaper homes you know uh in ohio would be uh they don't appreciate the way california properties yeah, that's do. true but uh you know you can't have it all yeah that's so, true yeah so sam did you have any trouble getting your wife on board with investing in real estate and anything that you're doing with entrepreneurial type of businesses 
No, surprisingly, uh, we wear two different hats, and, and Lisa's probably more gung ho than I am. I don't think I could have married a, a woman that was like trying to hold me back. That just wouldn't work. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you didn't have to have any like sit down. Hey, we're just doing this. Like I know you're against it. No. Uh, we're we're doing. It. You didn't have that. No. I remember one time I was really. This is one of my biggest gambles that I'm proud of. But uh, parakeets fluctuate. They're a commodity, and they got down to a dollar twenty-five. I've never seen them that cheap. And I, I wanted to max out our credit cards. So <laughs> I took. Yeah. I think I took forty thousand dollars and oh, bought my. twenty thousand parakeets. And I, I called a police. I go, hey, I'm, I'm doing this. She's all right, good. Wow. How nuts is that? That who, is who, nuts. Who would do that? Yeah. But anyways, that, that was a gamble that worked out. You know, I have a lot of war wounds from pet things in the past that have not worked out. But anyways. I uh, For me, getting my wife, Melissa, on board, it took a lot of work to get her on board because she's, okay. I mean, her, her teachers, or sorry, her parents were teachers. Right. Sweet people. I, yeah. They're, they're terrific. But they're not like risk takers, entrepreneurs like, like us. Right. And so she grew up in that and I had to really walk her through all the numbers. Like okay. say, it's going to produce this much money. This is all the benefits we're going to have. These are expenses. These are the income. Basically show the entire business model. Right. Because she was so hesitant. Yeah. And I find I get a lot of questions from people saying, how do I get my spouse on board? You know, yeah. I'm all for it, yeah. but how do I get my spouse on board? And my suggestion is if you have that scenario mm-hmm. to, show the entire business and say, this is what it's going to do for us. And you can even point to me and say, hey, look, I know this guy that he's, he's, he's a podcast and he's teaching online um, how to actually do this. Right. And he literally quit his job and he doesn't have to have a job again. Right. And I'm like you, Sam, where even if all like all my passive income goes away, I'm not getting another job. No. Life is amazing <laughs> without having a job. I remember you told me it was like maybe three years after we first met we started getting to know each other a lot more and you, you said, cause you knew about my business and the real estate and you started investing and you were asking me how much money I was making, how much money I needed. And you said, why don't you just quit now? And I was like, Oh, that's scary. You know, it's, yeah, it's scary it to qu- up and quit. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I had at the time, I think I had, um, two, two kids. Uh-huh. I think when you mentioned that and I was like, yeah. but I got two kids and you know, yeah. I had a wife to take care of, which is yeah. valid. Yeah. But I love not having a job now. And yeah. no matter what, right. I am not getting a job. I'm going to figure out another yeah. way. Well, you know what I mean? Look, I love my kids. I want to provide for them the best I can. But at the end of the day, I only believe you owe your kids and wife three hots and a cot. That's it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, as long as you're not out drinking, uh, messing yeah. around on your wife or doing drugs and you're out there hustling, yeah. your kid is going to look and admire you for yeah. your work ethic yeah. and how you didn't go to a job you hated every day. Yeah. And, uh, and come on, we live in America. <laughs> I mean, this is where dreams come true. I completely agree. Yeah, so I just got back from a six-week trip all through Europe, and it was absolutely fantastic. But I was thinking, man, nobody does it. Like, if this is a rare thing. Like, 99% yeah. of the people don't ever do something right. like this. And I'm able to bless my children, and they're able to go through and, and see all these things and learn so much about all the cultures and about the places and everything like that and see all the history. And I was thinking, man, this is such a blessing to be able to not have a job mm-hmm. and spend all that time with a family. Right. But I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, even if I needed to um, make more money, I'm going to figure out another way. And when I was growing up, my, uh, my dad, uh, he was in framing or construction, yeah. didn't make much money. My mom was, uh, I think she worked at a, a restaurant as a server mm-hmm. and we didn't have much money, but mm-hmm. I was a kid. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't care. You yeah. know, it was, hey, it works fine. It's, right. I didn't know any different. Yeah. So, you know, our kids growing up in America, they get a little more things like iPads and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, hey, life's tough. You know, hey, this is what we're doing right. as a family. You don't, you're, I, you don't deserve 
anything. Yeah. You know, you we're a family and yeah. we're, we're struggling together and you just got to pray that God's going to bless us through this. And, yeah. but yeah, I'm yeah. right there. Yeah. Totally right there. It makes you stronger. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And your yeah. kids seeing that uh-huh. and seeing, Hey, there's a new way or a different way. I don't have to, um, go to school, go to college, get 60, 70, a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Oh, don't even get me started. Oh yeah. 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 So, so you can go sit in your car in traffic for an hour and a half to work crank out 10 hours you're never going to do a good enough job for your boss and yep. then do the same, drive home in that stuff i'm especially i'm thinking of los angeles and, oh, yeah. and down in that area not so much Fresno. and your boss only pays you enough to keep you working yeah and not too much to worry yeah. he's just going to give you so much that you're going to want to quit but you're not yeah you know it's it's uh if i lost this job it's going to take it yeah. like if he didn't pay you enough you're going to quit right right but it's just enough and he's going to take all the profits mm-hmm. why might as well do it yourself and be the business owner yeah my, my buddy he uh he has a career uh, down in L.A., and he makes $100,000 a year constantly going into debt. Just, even that's not enough down there with the housing prices and just, yeah. you know, the standard of living I think that we, we think that we need. So so anyways. we talked a little bit about it, or you talked a little bit about the um, Houston property. Correct. So including that one, but uh-huh. just in general with all your real estate uh-huh. experience, name a couple failures or troubles that you – you, you've came across that our listeners could be able to take away and say, hey, this was something that I heard that I should watch out for or whatever. Right. Uh, I think the school taxes in Houston or anywhere else, uh, it's crazy. They just uh, they keep rising or raising it every year. It's just insane. Uh, so unexpected property taxes or school taxes or flood insurance, look around the corner. Talk to a lot of people. And uh, don't make the same mistake I did by buying, you know, three properties right out, the, right off the bat. If I were going to go into a new area, I would just buy one property and try it out. Keep it for six months, and that way you can work out all the unforeseen problems before you're too deep in, you know. Um, and then, as far as the other properties in, in in Ohio, I think the thing that surprised me was the water bill. You know, oh, yeah. you, you can you'll you'll. Uh, You'll have an amen moment here. Uh, basically, the way it works over there is if your tenant, not if your tenant, when your tenant gets his uh, water bill that's also attached to the trash, yeah. right? Anyways, so whenever he gets that bill, he doesn't need to pay the bill in full. He can only pay you know $50 on his $100 bill and then just have a balance that's constantly growing. So I know my property manager now uh, keeps track of everybody's water bill. Once it gets up to about $500 that they're letting hang out there, we shut the water off and make them pay it in full. But uh, even even saying that, that that's one problem in, in, in Ohio, but I, I would still because, buy more properties in Ohio. Because the water bill stays with the property. It's not like electricity, yes. right? Or a cable bill, what sticks yeah. with the person. They, they say, hey, somebody's going to pay it. I'm going to get my money. From the and owner. From the owner. Yes. Even though it's under somebody else's name. Yeah. Oh, it's and, just that other, and that guy just left. He's yeah. left and he's jacked up your house and he's left you with an $800 water bill yeah. and you got to pay it. And so, so we found the best way to do that is monthly. Yes. Checking on it. And if they don't pay it, that comes out of their rent and right. now their rent is late yeah, okay. because they haven't full paid their, their right. rent. Uh and now, I, I think in the beginning, you know, you could shut somebody's water off and they can go down and give them $100 and they would turn it back on. But as of late, it's been they've wanted payment in full, which has been great uh, because the tenant will pay that, not not the property owner. Let's see, I had a list of uh, bad things that have happened to me. Uh, don't be so gung-ho. <laughs> water bill tax. You know, and then uh, 
Section eight is a beautiful thing. Um, I know it has a lot of uh, bad, uh, bad mojo maybe behind it. People think that that's a kind of a lower class of people, but uh, you know, it keeps your property manager. Okay, so anyways, if somebody doesn't know what Section 8 is, Section 8 basically is a government program that if your income is less than this, the government will come in and give you a, uh, a payment voucher. So you can rent a property to uh, Henry down the street, and Henry, uh, Henry just has the government turn around and reimburse the uh, landlord once a month on the first. So it's awesome because um, people who don't pay rent are your number one... Uh, the, the number one thing you have to watch out for, see if you have the government paying your rent, I mean, they're going to pay. And uh, once a year they go through and they do an inspection to make sure that the property is up to snuff, which actually keeps your property manager uh, honest. And it's it's a good re reassurance. Also for, that the tenants you. are taking care of the property too. It's exactly. not just, hey, checking, make sure that the house is good for the tenant. Right. They also make sure the tenants are taking care of it because they're footing the bill. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what else is good about Section 8? It rents faster. Uh, oh, yeah. The negatives on Section 8, it takes longer to get it rented uh, initially because you have to go through all the, the government uh, bureaucracy. Uh, it costs a little more money because the government's going to want all the chip paint cleaned up. Uh, you know, they're a little more demanding than, say, just putting it on Craigslist. But anymore, that's that's what I do. I, I just spend the extra couple thousand dollars and just uh, Section 8 the property. That way you're guaranteed income. And uh, it's done a world of... Uh, it, it, it's made a, a world of difference. It's made your income steady. Yes. Every single month. Every single month. Yeah. yeah. And it, I only have about half of my property sectionated and uh, it's really stabilized things. That's a, that's a great tip. Yeah. And I know before I got in, I thought section eight, no, I don't want to do that. That's, 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 that's bad. You know, welfare. I've heard bad welfare and, yeah. but Hey, people got to live and government has the ability or they have programs written up so that people can utilize this. And Hey, somebody's going to take advantage of it or be blessed right. by it. So might as well try it. And, yeah. um, I would say just try it. If you're having trouble finding renters that are constant, mm -hmm. try it. So that's right. a that's a great tip. Yeah. So Sam, tell me about um, if you were to go back your pre-investing self right. and give not not like we, we talked about the negatives or failures, but any tips that you think that your first self before you bought your property, mm -hmm. uh, what would you suggest or how how would you give any tips? Uh, buy a very cheap house in a good neighborhood where there is high demand. Somewhere back east, because I live in California, so that really doesn't exist. No, it doesn't. Uh, tr try just to pay cash for it, especially if it's between you know fifteen and twenty-five thousand, or even use a credit card with zero percent interest. That way, you don't have the banks involved. Do one, uh, cut your teeth, get a property manager, experience all the pitfalls, and 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 get a feel for it, um, and just do one, and 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 then then start to build on that one property. You know, um, I just. You know, I think I, I mentioned to you, mentioned this to you before that if I weren't married and I was 18, I would just get some construction job and and live on top ramen and just throw all my my income towards that major goal. Because once you get three or four houses, nine houses, it's going to start to snowball, and then pretty soon you're on the plane. That's the best. Going to Europe, <laughs> exactly. you know, which I'm not at that point yet. I don't even think nine houses is enough. Is enough. I think uh, once you get to 15. To 17 using my numbers, that's when I'm going to Europe. So there you go. I'm not there yet, but I can feel it snowballing, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, the, the passive income snowball is amazing. And starting, um, like you said, buying that first one. Yeah. I, I literally bought two properties with a credit card. There you go. I think I might have told you this, but I'll no, tell you everybody. Didn't. Oh, yeah. So um, it was right before the crash in 2008, 2009. Okay. I got this credit card 
um, offer in the mail, it said um, or cash out for 0.13%. Okay. Like a ridiculously low. Yeah. And like I see those before, so it's, you know, you can cash out. But this was for the life okay. of the balance. Oh, wow. So a life of the balance at, at 0.13 or something like that's that. That's crazy. Yeah. I said, that's, they're giving me money. That's just giving me money. Yeah. So I said, okay. And I took out like $14,000 right, and bought right. some properties with it uh-huh. and made money hand over fist yeah. with that. Yeah. And it was free money. I was like, uh-huh. ah, this is great. Right. So right. yeah, using your credit card, that's a, a good tip. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you got to be smart about it. You got to know what you're getting into. Right. You know, if you have, if you're going to living, um, putting all your, eggs in one basket with a credit card it could come back to bite yeah. you you have to just have to do it right 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 um and gosh it just it escaped me i was gonna say oh uh, don't be afraid to evict people oh yeah especially when they first start renting your property if you have a woman or a man that has lived in your property for two or three years they have paid their rent on time you can give them some slack maybe a week or two if, they, if their social security check got mailed to the wrong house okay they're pretty legit but if you have somebody move in in the first month they're five days late. The second month is 15 days late. That's just, that's their pattern. That's their yeah. story. They are a day late and a dollar short. And you need to break up with those people because <laughs> right around the corner is uh, the best tenant you've never yeah. met yet. Yeah. And that, that's that been the secret to our success. It's not not throwing our hands up and, and giving up because I've had, you know, when we were going through this and we'd have four, four houses and three evictions going. And, you know, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, this is why you don't buy houses in the slums. Yeah. This is why you don't do it. You can't listen to that negative stuff. Just keep uh, just keep plugging along and, and pretty soon you'll get a good tenant. So do you do background checks? I haven't had an eviction in so long. I forget how I do it now. But yeah, <laughs> I know you and I, you and I have talked. Yeah. Uh, you should be with a property manager who does background checks. It's definitely a good idea because you don't want somebody in there that's, uh, you know, got a huge criminal record or. Or definitely credit checks. I mean, yeah. credit checks will save you a lot of oh, yeah. pain. Absolutely. So um, I started doing background checks because I was getting tired of getting tenants in there that would just move out within two months, three right, months. Right. Or stop paying and then I have to evict them. So I started doing background checks and I realized that I was shying away from spending $30 mm-hmm. because my property manager was telling me at the time, well, these people don't have much money, so they're not going to pay for a background check. Because usually, yeah, you, you know, the submit of application and then they would pay... $30 for the application fee, which is basically the background check. Right. And he said, these people won't do it. And I said, fine, I'll pay it. I don't care. I just need a background check yeah. done. And I figured a $30 background check is going to save me $1,500 to $2,000 on Absolutely. an eviction. So yeah. it's like I'm tripping over dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars to pick up pennies, yeah. you know, $30. Exactly. So there was one lady that looked great on the application. So I said, okay, she looks good, but let's run a quick background check. Ran the background check. Uh-huh. She had four evictions in the previous three years. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I was, I'm not going to be the fifth. No, the fifth no. eviction. Uh-huh. So I know that. So we've yeah. just obviously passed on her. Yeah. So, Sam, do you have a strategy for getting new properties? We talked a little bit about mm-hmm. what you're doing now. Can you give any strategies for for everybody that's listening how to either grow their business, build their business, or what you're doing now to help your business to continue to grow? You know, um, just buy one house after the other. I think for me, I like to keep it simple. Uh, so what I'm doing now is something I said I would never do. I'm actually going to try to get a mortgage on a $30,000 house that might rent for a little bit more to cover the price of the note uh, and and uh, get that one underneath my belt and then hopefully do one a year and just uh, just slowly stop the treadmill. You know, the, the, the what you need to provide every month to, to have your um, standard of living met. So that's and as far as advice, just do it. Just do one 
and and just once you do that, just rinse and repeat. Isn't that what they say? Absolutely. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so where are you looking to invest now? Are you thinking of other places? Are you like what? What are your thoughts like? Where are you going now? Uh, still in Ohio. Yeah, still in Ohio because I don't. You know, there are so many unexpected things in Texas that I don't. I don't need to jump out into another market and get my my head handed to me again. Uh, so yeah, no, just. Uh, just more um, more properties uh, more properties in Ohio. So so we touched on this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so hypothetically speaking, if you were to start all over from scratch mm-hmm. and you literally had thousand dollars to your name, how would you start over? Like what's your, what would you be your process if you had to start from the very very beginning? Mm-hmm. What would you do? Well, I think we we talked about this before. I think there's two scenarios. There is the single eighteen year old me. And there is the right now me. So if I didn't have any houses at all to my name, I was at a job that I hated, uh, I would just look at my financial picture. I guess it depends on where you're at. Are you, do you have a lot of school debt? Do you have a lot of credit card debt? I think I would just do some Dave Ramsey action and I would just do some debt snowball and just kill it. I would just cut my standard of living and, and just kill it. From there, I would turn around and I would just buy one house, then buy the next. And you know, everybody wants the quick answer and I don't think there is one. You know, um, bankruptcy would be terrible. I, I don't know. You can't, and you can't go through bankruptcy on student loan. No, you can't. You know, um, and then, uh, then now that's that's one scenario. So wipe out all debt, turn around, and uh, start buying rental properties. The the second scenario would be the eighteen year old version of myself with no uh, obligations. I would honestly, I, I'd buy a camper, <laughs> and, and wherever the job site was, I'd find the closest Walmart and I'd slide right in, and, and I'd just have Love no it. bills. I'd have no bills, and I would be buying a house every six months. Amen. You know, I'd Absolutely. go, I'd go back there. I'd spend a week or two weeks, how long, however long it took to make my new best friend, who would be my property manager, and we'd go hand in hand from house to house, and uh, that's what I would do. That's so. that's brilliant, and I think you're right with cutting your expenses and saving up to buy the properties. Yeah, I think that's 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 brilliant because what you find is people want it like a, a get rich quick scheme. Well. Real estate and rental properties, if you do it right, you will get rich. You'll get wealthy. You'll have more time than ever. You'll yes. have you'll ha- be able to spend the time with your wife and kids or spouse, you know, husband or wife and, and kids, and you'll be able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, because you don't have a job. Talking about debt, because you brought up debt mm-hmm. and school debt, you touched on it just for a, a quick second about college. What are your thoughts about college? Uh, I think college is a joke. I mean, <laughs> You do? Good yeah, job. Uh, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I just, maybe I'm just negative Nancy, but I just see the way the world's going between Amazon and government regulation and just the end of the entrepreneurial experience is basically you've cut all your costs and you're keeping all the money for yourself. That's what I do. I'm constantly thinking about that. So uh, with artificial intelligence, I don't know. Best case scenario, you go out and you get a government job and you love it, whether that's being a doctor or a lawyer or a construction worker, because all those jobs are based on the government, whether it's Medicaid or uh, the Fed and interest rates. You know, um, it's not for me, I guess. I guess if your passion was being a doctor and, and cranking out 80 hours a week at some hospital, you know, more power to you. And you are OK with the $150,000 in debt. But I, I don't see going out and, and going $50,000 in debt so I can become a teacher and make fifty dollars or $60,000. I just don't see the point. Um, but see, I'm an entrepreneur at heart where if somebody isn't, maybe that's their only option. I don't know. It, it isn't. There is no right. There is no wrong. But I know that I don't function well with a huge debt load. Oh, yeah. 
I worry. And, and the Bible even says that somewhere. I can't quote it. <laughs> I, I've read Proverbs enough to know. Yeah. Uh, so, and my main goal is to spend more time with my family and have a, a, a you know, you, you can't make more time. So I think that's uh, a lifestyle is my big push. Lifestyle, yeah. Yeah. That's... Not, not materialism at all. I could care less what kind of car I drive. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I gave, I personally gave up a, a terrifically huge house. I think it was like four or five bedrooms and uh, just, uh, it was a great house, but I had, I had a job with that at the time. Now I'm living in a three bedroom, two bathroom house. And I realized, you know, I don't have a job. I don't care where I live. Yeah. You know, I, it's a great house. It's just a smaller house. Right. We'd like a bigger one, yeah. but we cut our expenses and I, like, I have so much more money now. We can go to Europe for yeah. six weeks. And so, yeah. you know, some people might like need a big house or they might need certain things. Um, I don't. That's great that they need those. Um, some people might need a, a really nice car, but that's the beauty about real estate and the passive income, you can do with your money whatever you want. Right. You're not shackled by, hey, I can only work a certain amount of hours, and that's how much I get paid. Right. No, with passive income, the less you work, the more money you make is really what it comes down to. That You have to feed, and it has to get bigger. And that usually means uh, cutting your standard of living to do it. You know, you got to get down and just get by on nothing to get things going, unless you just had a whole lot of money just handed to you. And I think if you, it makes you so much, or so, so less efficient when you have a big bank account, because if you're a, if you're broke and you're hustling, you're going to go and, and cut corn not cut, cut corners but cut costs, and and do a better job yeah. with less. And that's that's uh, I'm glad you touched on that because that's a key. Because when you start getting enough passive income, where it's not as big of a concern about how much money is going out, going in and out, uh, because you have plenty of money coming in. That's one edge you don't want to lose. You don't want to lose right. like I'm counting all the numbers or, you know, I'm making sure that all the expenses are and basically not resting on your laurels saying, mm -hmm. you know, hey, I'm fat and happy. Everything's going to take care of itself. I'll just buy another property and not worry too much. And no, you need to always have the perspective right. that each house you want to make as much money as you can, mm -hmm. account for every expense that you can and every income that you can and make sure that all the expenses, like go through your statements you get every single month. Mm -hmm. Like I have I have uh, 30 plus properties mm -hmm. and I go through all the statements. I, it'd be easy for me to just say, hey, you know, thousands of dollars came in this month. I don't need to look at it. Yeah. No, I still look at it. I still question, hey, what's the $30 charge here? Yeah. Or hey, I know a tenant was supposed to re reimburse us for the pest inspection, or no, uh, pest abatement. It was like they owe us $200. I just noticed this last month. Right. I said, hey, she hasn't been charged or she hasn't paid it back. What's going on with that? So right. you don't want to rest because you have enough money coming. You always have that that drive saying, hey, it could all be taken away at some time. It, oh, it, something could happen. Yeah. You always want to have that drive. You also want to be sharp. Mm -hmm. You want to be sharp because you want to make sure that you're building your business well. Right. And that you're you're not getting lazy and lackadaisical because this is the money your family depends on. Mm -hmm. And the more lazy you get, the more lazy you will continue to get. So right. just continue to be sharp. Right. For sure. Uh, and another, another thing that just popped in my brain, don't be afraid to lowball people on their properties. And if, <laughs> if you I get a that. property manager who turns their nose up at a 30% uh, uh, or a half uh, offer on a property, you need to move on. Yeah. You know, because they're focused on their commission. You mean, oh, you said property manager, so realtor. Realtor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just can't stand it. Yeah. Like the house we're in right now. Yeah. They're, they're looking to sell it. Nobody's been through this house. It's in California. It's it's probably a, a $400,000 house. Uh, the guy's put it on the market and he doesn't want to pay his mortgage payment, which is probably $2,200 a month. So uh, he put it on the market um, maybe six weeks ago. We had three people look at it. Nobody's been in in the last month to even look at it. No. Could you imagine what that would do to you subconsciously? 
I'm, he's got this big note he's got to pay without me living here anymore. And I'm just thinking, he's right for a lowball offer. Yo, absolutely. You don't know what people are up against. Yeah. And then you can you can do your research too. There's plenty of web- websites out there that you can, uh, any property you're looking to buy, uh, just do some research and find out what they owe on it. Yeah. And then offer them $1,000 more than what they owe on it. You know, that way you're not cutting them so deep that they can't pay it off so you can get it. So That's a great point. Yeah. That's a great tip because I remember you brought that to me. You said, hey, I found this website. It actually shows how much people owe on the properties. I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah, it's called Property Radar. You can roll up so it's it's a it's a map. In other words, it's an app on your phone, and uh, you can just pull up to a house and, and hit, hit the button, and it will tell you – a map will pull up, and it will tell you who owns it and how much they owe on it and when they bought it. Now, I think that's only available in California, a couple other states, but I'm, I'm sure if you did some – you can probably find a company that does that in other states. Yeah, too. yeah. But, but I, I love that. So um, I actually put in offers back when in 2010, when the market was really, really bad, and there was um, a bunch of banks owned properties. Yeah. Um, I didn't care about banks' feelings at all. Yeah, like yeah. it wasn't a thought in my mind. Yeah. So I say, okay, they're asking 20 grand. Yeah. Offer them 6,500. Yeah. But you're right. If a realtor says, oh, they're not going to go for that. I was like, I don't care. Put in the offer. Yeah. Like stop griping about it. Yeah. Put in the offer. And if they don't want to do it, say, okay, I'm going to find somebody else right. that's going to put in the offer. Yeah. And Sam, I remember when you first got into it and after that, we started talking um, about your new adventure into buying other properties in Ohio. Correct. You were in Texas first. Now you're in Ohio. And I remember when you first started out, we were you'd ask me questions all the time like, hey, what about this or what about this? Yeah. This is happening. This is happening. And now I don't get those questions from you because you've done it for however many years. Yeah. And you've run the gamut of you, – right. you, you've done it. And so you know um, what what to expect. You know the ins and outs. And that was what, one thing I want to point out what you said is get your first property and get that under your belt. Yeah. Yeah, because getting that first property is really the hardest. It's always yeah. the hardest. Right. Um, and the, at the same time, you get a lot of experience. Yeah. You yeah. see what potentially pitfalls are out there. Mm-hmm. And just like um, with you, um, everybody else listening, you know, if you buy one, mm-hmm. you're going to have questions, That's mm-hmm. which is totally fine. But by the time you buy your 10th, 12th, whatever, you're not going to have any questions about buying the next property. Mm-hmm. Now your next question might be, how do I scale it? Like, how do I get bigger? How do I move into apartment complexes or, you know, multi, multifamily right. units, things like that. But the general nuts and bolts of the business you have down because you've right. experienced it. So getting right. that first one is hugely yes. monumental for for you starting investing and buying a first property. Right. You have to do it. Yeah. It's uh, you know I don't think people realize, and I, I I'm guilty of this too. You don't realize as you're doing it, you're learning it. You think, gee, I need to pick up a book, or I need to take a course, or I need to listen to more podcasts on this subject. At some point, you're going to learn a lot more. You need to do all that, all those things. You need to prepare yourself. But if you, that's all you're doing over the course of a year, yeah, dude, you, you just need to pull the trigger. Yeah, just do it and fail or or succeed. Uh, get as prepared as you can. It, you're only going to you're only going to fail is if if you bite off more than you can chew, or you give up. Yeah, that's it. Or you buy in the wrong neighborhood. Yeah, and even then, uh, you might want to speak to this. You can do so, uh, at least with an option to buy yep. and take all the pressure off yourself, and at least pay for the 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 the, the note payment on on the you know the mortgage payment. There's always options. There's always a problem that you can solve. You can always mm-hmm. solve the problem. So one of the areas I invest, I had the the problem that 
the property was hard to stay rented. I could get a tenant in there, mm-hmm. but for some reason the neighbor I, the neighborhood was starting to. So I, when I first bought it ten years ago, it was a good area. Yeah. Then over time, it slowly became a not so good area. Now it's a bad area, right. and so people would want to move out. And so because um, they're renting, they hey, they could rent someplace else. What I decided to do was take the property and do a rent to own, mm-hmm. you know, at least option. And basically, um, it really solved many many problems. So it was a, it was a the like you were saying. Um, if you give up, that's when you're going to lose money. If I would just gave up, yeah. I would have lost money. Right. But now I'm making money hand over fist yeah. and, and it's a rent to own. So after 10 years, they will get the property, which is great right. for them. Right. They have bought into it. They pay all the expenses. They fix up the properties. They, they take care of it. I'm just basically the bank. Right. And so when that one's done, I'll just buy another one. Okay, I kind of want to unpack that a little bit. Now I guess I'm interviewing you because <laughs> this, this, this is something that nobody sat me down and explained to me. So what a, a lease with an option to buy basically is, is just a lease with an option to buy in 10 years for $0. Correct. Okay. So when there's de- two contracts. So the lease is one. Correct. You don't tie them together. Right. The lease is one. Okay. And the contract to purchase property mm-hmm. only kicks in once that lease is fulfilled. Right. The full 10 years, the whole, all the payments are made and all that. And then Dusty's not allowing the tenant to pay his own property taxes or insurance. Dusty is taking that money off the payment and pay, making sure those payments are made to the right people. That way that, way that Joe Schmo, uh, you know, can't skip out on that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Last thing I want is the property that I own to go in arrears in taxes. And mm-hmm. the government come and saying, hey, we're taking the property because the taxes aren't paid. I'm like, right. what? This guy was supposed to t- pay it. No. I'm still the owner. Yeah. And yeah. so making sure those get paid is something I do. Now, you could work it out to where you get that money once a year from the tenant. You could absolutely do that. Well, cool. Hey, Sam, thank you very much for being a part of this interview. And I'm super excited to see how well you're doing and that you're moving your family to Idaho. And, and you're really doing what you want to do. Like You're not controlled by a job. You're not controlled by anybody. You're right. saying, hey, this is my life. I'm going to live it the way I want. Yeah. yeah no, thanks for having me on uh, and, and, and telling me what you know, Dusty. So I'm not just saying that to plug something. Uh, yeah. You know, it really does work. So Absolutely. Yeah. And that was Sam Montgomery. He has a wealth of knowledge. It was great to have him on the show. And remember, I have a special gift for you. If you go over to my website, masterpassiveincome.com, go over to sign up for my newsletter, my free newsletter. I give out super awesome free content that is only given out in my newsletter, not the podcast or the blog articles or anything like that. So go there, get the newsletter so you can become a part of the Master Passive Income community. On top of all that great free content that I'm going to give you in the newsletter that only the people in the newsletter will receive, I'll also give you some free downloads, some workbooks that you can use to get started investing in real estate, a free starter guide, a free course for you, all this great stuff. So you just go over there and go to my website, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. You can get the free course that will get you started investing in real estate. All right, guys. Hope you're doing well. Get out there. Start investing. Get your life changed. So you can do whatever you want and live wherever you want and live the life of your dreams. All right, again, this is Dustin Heyer with Master Passive Income. Until next time, see ya.